Good afternoon from the UK. I have a question for you guys over there. I think it was last week there was a program on TV in the UK and it was titled something like um, something to do with uh, people who depressed taking certain medication were killers. And obviously I raised awareness of mental health and I wondered what your thoughts were about the potential link or whether it's just another creative thing by the media as to or whether it's correct to demonize people who for instance have depression by suggesting that because they take medication they may become a killer what up anchor this is d and if you've been listening in order you just heard a phone call from the homie over at the simon says station uh asking about if I got this right, depression, uh, medication, and becoming a murderer. Now, uh, I am on my commute to work, so I'm not sitting in front of a computer, so forgive me if my numbers aren't exactly right and my years are a little off or whatever the case may be, but here's the the quick and dirty of it. Um, When SSRI medication, uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, those are the most common antidepressants prescribed, at least in the United States and I think worldwide. Um, I believe it was in the early 80s, Prozac hit the market. It it took the market by storm. It became kind of the newfangled miracle drug, um, which obviously we know there isn't such a thing and it it wasn't. Um, But it certainly was helpful um, in the sense that before that, tricyclic antidepressants, TCAs, um, were the, the, the main form of treatment for depression. Anyway, um, so Prozac had a big marketing, I imagine I wasn't around for it, but a, a huge marketing push. Um, it becomes kind of the thing to prescribe. And um, shortly thereafter, I want to say in the late 90s, there was uh, some reports of increased um, aggressive behavior, suicidality, um, people started getting concerned. A couple of studies were done, and it wasn't with Prozac. It was with uh, some other medications. I want to say Doxepin was one of them. Um, Zoloft might have been one of them. Um, nonetheless, a study was done, and they found that uh, there was, in fact, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, some concern of increased suicidality. Not suicides, just everything included thoughts of suicide suicide attempts um uh you know that sort of thing but the studies were a little wonky because some of them were i I believe they were self-reporting so i I think they create like a hotline or something and people can just call in um and part of that is to kind of give people privacy right because it's a hard thing to feel nonetheless admit and talk to and feel like somebody's using you as a number for a study you know so these studies had all these you know questionable uh data collection methods you know like well you know you could have duplicates right people can call in twice and you can't question them you can't ask details about it because they just leave a message and hang up um you can't ask you know further questioning you can't get clarification um so it the numbers were maybe a little raw but nonetheless um they found that mm, maybe yes maybe you know folks are having increased suicidal thoughts so that's enough for us to put out a warning which i think is fair um i believe the number doubled but it was like people with placebo treatment had like 2.4 percent 
uh, increased suicidality and people on antidepressants had like 4%. So, you know, a doubling, but still not all that much higher um, than folks on placebo. So anyway, a bunch of these studies have been done. And when I say a bunch, I don't think I actually mean a bunch. I think a lot of them have been analyzing old data, analyzing old studies. Um, and, you know, the, the, the most common consensus is that, and the black box warning on medication for antidepressants are that you can have increased suicidality, a risk for increased suicidality from ages 24 and younger for anybody using an antidepressant. And I believe it's generally in the first 10 days is when you see the most of it. At that point, you stop the medication and it generally goes away, um, which I think that's what we should take away from that is that we, us as physicians have to have these conversations with patients to let them know like, hey, man, this isn't something to keep to yourself. And this is this is, you know, it's serious. If you if you get this, you stop the medication and you call me um, if you feel you're a threat uh, or a danger to yourself or others, get your ass to the emergency room. But if you give them a heads up, it's not as you know, jolting of an experience, even though it's still an awful experience. And again, for the sake of thoroughness, to be fair, uh, there was no change in suicidality for, I think that middle group, you know, 24 to like 64 and anything over 65, it actually, they, the evidence proved that, uh, it lowers the risk of suicide. So I hope that makes sense. And a lot of information, but great question, man. Hope all is well. Peace. Yo, what up anchor? This is D again. Um, I, that last segment uh, on uh, depression, medication, and uh, increased suicidality that we got in from a caller. There's a couple points I just wanted to, to add um, I, to more thoroughly answer the question that, that I was asked. Um, and it was about, you know, will taking these medications make you uh, a killer? Part of this notion of taking antidepressant medication and it leading to somebody becoming homicidal um, and again, most of what I addressed in the last segment was talking about uh, somebody becoming suicidal, uh, you know, killing oneself versus being homicidal, harming another person. Um, a lot of this comes from school shootings, uh, particularly here in the U.S. Um, uh, a lot of, you know, uh, conspiracy theorists, if you will, um, you know, point out the fact that a lot of kids almost universally um, who participate in these, uh, horrific school shootings, um, are being treated with an antidepressant. Now I get it. I get why people would put those two things together. Um, but you know, a lot of the, the questions and inquiries, uh, into these matters really does a decent job of pointing out that you have to understand that you're, you can't assume that it was the medication when I think it stands to reason that a lot of these kids that are being medicated might have some other process going on, whether it be, you know, some early trauma, whether it be uh, something developmental, whatever, whatever the case is, sure, they might be treated with an antidepressant, um, but is that the sole reason, you know, to blame for these horrific acts. That's a tough sell to me. Um, I, you know, just based on my experience and you know, the folks I participate in treating, um, a lot of times there was horrible things going on much before, you know, long before they came to see us. 
Um, now, granted, if we're prescribing something that's making it worse, we absolutely should be diligent about trying not to do that. And if it does happen to stop it. Um, so, you know, th that whole notion of increased, you know, homicide uh, risks from people being prescribed these medications. I, I don't think that's fair. I don't think there's even really enough data to support that. Um, again, can you have irritability and increased aggression? You can with these medications. But keep in mind, the more you look into side effects for any medication, I know uh, last year there was a big movement for Singular, the asthma medication. Um, there was a push from a lot of case reports of people saying that their kids were becoming violently aggressive on this medication. And that's an asthma medication. Um, I don't know if you know anybody with some with condition like lupus. Um, it's well known that, you know, prednisone, which is a steroid, um, can cause increased aggression. Um, Lipitor, believe it or not, um, has been questioned about maybe increasing uh, a person's tendency for violence. So I think we, we have to be fair and remind ourselves that there is no biological free lunch, right? Anything you do, anything you take, um, you know, has the potential that there's a payout that you may not be aware of or expecting. Um, so again, I think that's part of our job as not only physicians, but as patients um, to be aware of these things and to be diligent about participating in our own care. So that's my rant. Hope I answered your question a little better this time, brother. <laughs> All right. Keep the call-ins coming. Again, you're listening to Medicine Remixed. From no other place but here on Anchor. Peace. Thank you for calling the Medicine Remixed Audiotopsy Hotline. Please leave the lyrical biopsy to be examined at the sound of the beep. Thank you. Hey, Medicine Remix, what about when Kanye says, talking about going off his Lexapro, what do you need to get prescribed Lexapro? What are the symptoms you got? You should have to have a prescription? What's it supposed to treat? What are the side effects if you're off it? What's it supposed to mean if you're off it? That's what I'm thinking about this, uh, what I'm interested in. Thanks for creating this library. It's a service to everybody. Peace. Apogado Brett, it's good to hear your voice, man. So thank you for the call in, and man, you brought the heat asking about that Kanye joint FML, where he makes a reference to being off Lexapro. So I say we jump right in and get this audio topsy started. But I want to start off by saying you've actually picked a pretty hot button topic, either knowingly or unknowingly. Um, because one, I'm not sure, but I don't think Kanye has ever formally came out and said uh, he suffers from any psychiatric condition, although obviously he's taking psychiatric medication if you take the lyrics literally, and if you're familiar with his uh, history, he was hospitalized uh, in a psychiatric facility uh, in Los Angeles not too long ago, so I think it's safe to say uh, he's referring to actual life events uh, in these lyrics. So the indications for it, why he's taking it, all of this is going to be speculation. But to be real honest, I think that's what actually makes this fun and opens up the lane to talk about some pretty interesting topics. So let's start answering some of Abogado Brett's specific questions. 
Lexapro falls under a class of medication known as the SSRIs, the Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitor Groups. And those medications, as the name suggests, they inhibit neurons in the brain from taking up free serotonin that's floating around in between different neuronal connections. And serotonin is known as one of the feel-good molecules. And what it does is it allows it to hang out longer in the space where it's used. And by doing so, it keeps more around. And if more is around, then the likelihood of you feeling good are theoretically increased because that chemical is available and more abundant for use by your brain. But keep in mind, that's kind of a quick and dirty explanation of it because actually there's a lot of research showing that at different times in the time course that a patient's taking this medication, it's doing different things in different parts of the brain under different proposed mechanisms, but that's the most basic of them. Now, as far as what do you need to be prescribed Lexapro, that's an interesting question because clinical indications for the use of these medications, the SSRIs, go far beyond just what most people think, which is, you know, major depressive disorder. Um, they're also used for anxiety disorder, also can be used to treat premenstrual dysphoric disorder. There's some evidence about treating eating disorders and beyond. So these medications are very widely used and some estimate that SSRI prescriptions in the U.S. alone occur at a rate of six prescriptions per second, 24-7 year-round. That's quite a bit. And despite how often these medications are prescribed, it's surprising to me how few patients are aware that these medications take about four to six weeks before you're going to feel their full effect. And so many of them will take the medication for about two weeks, three weeks, and they'll say, ah, this shit's not working, and they just stop. So it's important if you're going to try the medication, you might as well give it its full trial before you say it didn't work for you. Now, let's move on to the side effects. And actually, Lexapro is a pretty well-tolerated medication, the most common side effects being stomach upset, nausea, headaches, and the all-time favorite, the sexual dysfunction, anorgasmia, the inability to reach orgasm. And obviously, there are a bunch of other side effects, those being the most common. And there's always the rare exception. And even though I always fuck my life up, only I can mention it. See, before I let you go, one last thing I need to let you know. You ain't never seen nothing crazy then. This nigga went to off his Lexapro. Remember that last time in Mexico? It's not uncommon for patients who discontinue their medication abruptly, meaning just stopping at cold turkey, can have things on the affective symptom side of things, meaning they can have increased anxiety, agitation, nervousness, low mood, irritability, which might be the symptoms Kanye's referring to in his lyrics. And matter of fact, there's been many articles published about antidepressants and how this withdrawal syndrome may induce manic states in patients with major depressive disorder, even with no history of bipolar disorder, which leads us into the last point. There is a mounting consensus that says folks with bipolar disorder type 1 should not be treated with antidepressants because it may actually induce a manic state. And that's a topic for another time, but just understand that it includes things like at least four consecutive days of having an inflated self-esteem or being very grandiose, a decreased need for sleep, being more talkative, having a flight of ideas, being very distractible, being involved in a lot of goal-directed activity, and excessive involvement in activities that have a high potential for painful consequences, such as spending huge lumps of money that you shouldn't be, being hypersexual and getting involved in foolish business investments that sort of thing so basically doing things that'll get you on tmz that pretty much does it thanks once again for joining us for another episode of audiotopsy you're listening to medicine remixed for all things dope here on anchor every time i see an intro for audiotopsy 
I get so freaking excited. Y'all know I'm excited about this, right? They're so freaking good. I love them so much. And I just wanted to say that I am loving all of these Audiotopsy segments. Loving all of them. I love what you guys are doing here. I'm paying attention and taking a listen and I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Damn, I love them so much. So much. And I'm a huge fan. So much. Of like understanding the deeper meanings behind song lyrics. I sent in a song for a lyrical biopsy from the good doctors at Medicine Remix. The context that y'all are bringing to these audiotopsy segments, like my mind is constantly being blown and I can't deal with it. I can't. I can't wait to listen. Like it's taking it to a whole new level for me and I am all the way here for it. So thanks. Keep them coming. Audiotopsy, in case you're just joining us, is a segment where they go through hip-hop lyrics looking for the surprisingly frequent medical references and they explain those references. It's uh, pretty awesome. And I mean, it's weird how much medicine there is in hip-hop. I thought I'd call in today and let you know how much I thoroughly enjoyed your Audiotopsy. That was so incredible and amazing. It blew my mind. I was already addicted to your show, but now I feel like like I'm jonesing a little bit for another audiotopsy. So yeah, I guess I'm just gonna have to sit here and quietly rock back and forth in the corner until the next episode comes out. Please stay tuned as we continue to break down medical references in your favorite rap music. Listen to Medicine Remixed for all things dope here on Anchor. You know, there's two things that I just, I'm not into. Rap music and doctors. Well, that's before I found Medicine Remix. Somebody call me doctor. Somebody give me a shot. You gotta check out Medicine Remix, it's dope. Love being on some chill shit. Hype as fuck right now. That segment was the jam. <laughs> Thank you so much for this segment. This shit is mad lit. Medicine Remix. <laughs> <laughs> the story was very, very funny for me. Love the work that you guys are doing and the content sounds amazing. I love you guys. You guys are awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I just wanted to say thanks for being willing to be really real and honest. Have so much appreciation for the idea that you are willing to use your influence to not only highlight other artists who have tried to do something good, but are, are using your space to, to talk about something real. It's uh, helping me a lot. I was having a super shitty night and, well, you guys made it better. Thanks. Keep keeping it real. We love it. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah, we do. Medicine Remixed. Medicine Remixed. Much love, Med Remix. Thank you for listening. You're listening to Medicine Remixed. Only on Anchor. <laughs> Support for today's Medicine Remix show is brought to you by Believe. Need all-day inner strong? Try Believe, the only anti-negativity and doubt reducer medication. Believe, inner strength to last your whole fucking day. Now, back to believing in the miracles of the human body on Medicine Remixed, only on Anchor.
Hey folks, it's Big H here with another segment of Doctionary, where we take a medical term and then dissever, dissect, and dichotomize it to give you the straight scoop and the plain goods on exactly what a medical word means. This week's Doctionary word is glossolalia. 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 If the word sounds to you like a tongue twister, well, you're right on the mark. Glossolalia, depending on your view of the world, is either spiritual channeling, babbling with fake mannerisms, or a mark of mental illness. Who are you talking to? So what is glossolalia? Glossolalia means speaking in tongues. That is, speaking in languages previously unknown to the speaker. I have no idea what you're talking about. Glossolalia most often is associated with religious practices. The word is derived from the Greek roots glosso, meaning language, and laleo, meaning to speak. Here's how glossolalia sounds. According to devout Christian practitioners, glossolalia was given to Christ's disciples during biblical times so they could fulfill the Great Commission, which was to travel the world and spread the Christian gospel. Speaking foreign languages, it's believed, enabled those disciples to preach and to get around in unfamiliar countries of the world. Further, it's believed today that because English is the modern de facto tongue for global commerce, science, and diplomacy, that speaking in tongues today is a vestige of that spirit channeled by disciples 2,000 years ago. It ought to be underscored, though, that no modern studies have identified existing or documented languages in glossolalia. So where does the psychiatric community stand on glossolalia? The consensus is that glossolalia is a verbal manifestation of mental illness. Psychiatry's handbook, the DSM, positions glossolalia under the larger umbrella of dissociative disorders which are not otherwise specified. In a nutshell, dissociative disorders involve anything ranging from having multiple personalities to being unable to distinguish fantasy from reality and to being highly susceptible to coercive persuasion in large group settings. On the whole, the jury is out. The motivations and causes ascribed to glossolalia vary depending upon your vantage point, your education and background, and your culture and beliefs. Let us know what you think by leaving a comment. This is Big H, and you're listening to Medicine Remixed, only on Anchor. I check the dictionary next to the definition. They were... psilocybin and the DMT thing is that it seems to be a catalyst for glossolalia. This is why I think it must have had something to do with the evolution of language. I mean, when you take psilocybin, you can fall spontaneously into states of glossolalia. Sometimes on DMT, it's almost impossible to control. It just spontaneously comes out. Yeah. Oh, what is glossolalia? Glossolalia. Well, here's an example of it, then I'll define it. See, ding, quap, mock, dicky, pitch, king, quade, molde, rough, no, because can get a fops, tit, touch, king.
It's language-like activity in the absence of meaning, and it's a very interesting thing neurologically, because notice that speech, ordinary speech, is this highly variable stream of data. We are set up to make these small mouth noises. As a public speaker, I'm very aware of the fact that one can speak without tiring almost longer than you can do any other major human motor activity. But the glossolalia, such as I just did, it is clearly under the control of rules, but it is not, there is no meaning conventionally conceived of there, but there is syntax. And I think probably that language was invented millennia before meaning, and that you could almost call glossal, uh, you could almost call language toneless singing, and that people used to sit around the campfire and amuse each other by making funny noises. As a kid, I used to do this. And then it was only much, much later that anything approaching linguistic conventionality was imposed on this, and that that's a lower function. The other thing I want to say about this glossolalia thing is, you may say, well, you're just making it up when I do that. But really, the experience I have when I do it is that I stand aside, then this variable data stream comes out through my mouth. Well, now, it has to reflect something about me. It's a statement about my internal situation in that moment. And it's evolving and changing as rapidly as if I were saying, you know, I had a migraine headache last night, and I got up about four and took an aspirin, and uh, you know, I'm telling you about my situation. But the glossolalia must be speaking to something about my situation, or it wouldn't be possible to do it at all. Biggest piece of medicine they need. Remix. Medicine Remix. Good old docs over there at Med Remix, the best station on Anchor. You guys are doing amazingly, and you do some of the best stuff out there. And uh, well, no, you know what? The best stuff out there, frankly, there's no one else really doing what you guys are doing in general on the internet. Shout out to the Medicine Remix. Shout out to uh, Medicine Remix who put me onto Anchor. Hi, this is my first call, and I wanted to say how much I love Medicine Remix. I love all the music you guys select and sample, and how you keep medicine interesting. You know. I really just want to show my gratitude for what you put out on the Medicine Remix show. Because every time that I listen to it, I just get so impressed. I really appreciate you guys putting me in your uh, little intro. That is awesome. I am very appreciative of that because uh, you are my favorite anchor station. Thanks a lot, guys. Love your channel. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm loving it. And uh, yeah, just really appreciate the content. What else can I say?